Welcome, friends, to Perennial Devotionals. I'm A, your sister in Christ and within this community of the chronically ill, traumatically injured, and beautifully blessed. Perennial is here to provide a community for those suffering symptoms and trials in life that can otherwise make you feel alone. It is created to be accessible for however you need it to show up in your life. Join me as we study the gospel and reawaken to the love of a God who cares about us every single day. Hello friends and happy new year. It is 2020. I hope you had a fantastic new year's eve. I was stuck in an airport for, gosh, like five, six hours, which was crazy, Um, but it was still a beautiful thing, and we felt so blessed to get home. This year, we are going to start with jump-starting our faith. Instead of putting our intentions for the year in this world, I really want to encourage us to put our intentions in the gospel and the kingdom of heaven and consider how we can jumpstart our faith. So with that, our first devotional for 2020 is Jumpstarting Your Faith in the New Year. Scripture Hebrews 6, 1-12 Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taking forward to maturity, not laying against the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again, and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain after falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless, and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit 
what has been promised. Devotional Making New Year's resolutions is an American and Eastern world tradition that started in the early 19th century. This tradition is based on the concept that an individual should commit to actions that will lead to a happier and healthier life in the new year. In fact, the word resolute, according to the Webster Dictionary, refers to the quality of being admirably purposeful, determined, and unwavering. On the surface, the idea of setting resolutions for the next year of life seems like a noble idea. Who doesn't want to be healthier and happier? It's likely because of our innate desire to be happy that in 2020, 27% of the American population made New Year's resolutions. However, when asked later in the year, only 8% of the original 27 had managed to keep them. This might be the point where your lips have slowly curled into a smile as you remember the New Year's resolutions you've tried to make in the past. I remember, even as a child, our teachers would encourage us to write out resolutions with action items we could take to make them happen. I must admit, though, I never actually made a resolution because of how many people I knew that had made one and later felt like a failure when they inevitably stopped trying. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? In the spirit of the season, you decide to cut out all sugar intake and start going to the gym. At first, you're motivated, striving towards the image of healthy living. As time goes on, though, you start to get worn out. Going to the gym at 5 a.m. no longer seems novel. And at the end of a long week, you desperately want a bowl of ice cream. And, well, we all know how it ends. Why then, if we all know that we are more than likely not resolute about our New Year's resolutions, do we still make them? I would argue, because at the root of all our desires, we just want to be happy. New Year's resolutions were built on the foundation of building a healthier and happy life. It only makes sense that we would feel drawn to make a resolution to try and achieve a happier life. The same way we buy self-help books, listen to endless podcasts, and buy motivational home decor. We live in a world that can sometimes feel overwhelmingly dark. It's so easy to feel lost, like we're missing out on something, or to become afraid of an unknown future. And so, if something is laid out in front of us, with the lore of creating a happier life, it's too tempting to not grab hold. The problem with New Year's resolutions is that they root having a healthier and happier life 
in the wrong place. Consider the historically five most common resolutions. Exercising to get in shape. Diet to lose weight. Save or make more money. Get healthier in general. And start an action of self-care. All of these resolutions have one thing in common. They're rooted in this world. Now don't get me wrong. I'd love to be more in shape and to love salads more than pizza as much as the next person. I'm even a huge advocate for self-care because I believe that we can't continue to care for others unless we also learn how to care for ourselves. The problem with these resolutions isn't that they're inherently evil, but rather they consider how we can make ourselves better and happier. The New Year's resolutions we make each year are a screaming proclamation that we can care for ourselves, provide for ourselves, and make ourselves better and happier people. My friends, I hate to break it to you, but we can't. Emphasis on the we. Even with the best of intentions, any action rooted in the ability of ourselves is destined to fail. We can't do everything by ourselves. And it would be foolish to believe that we are capable of achieving perfect peace and happiness for ourselves. But there is one that we can rely on to be our provider for a healthier, happier, and holier life. This January, instead of setting intentions rooted in this world, let's consider how we can readjust our sight on the kingdom of heaven. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Near the start of Advent, so in 2021, uh, my husband and I decided to make the drive to go to church in person. Over a year ago, we had moved from Denver, Colorado to Estes Park, Colorado. And while God had blessed us greatly in our move, it had severed us from our church. Conveniently, around the same time, COVID forced our church to create an online option, and that allowed us to continue uh, attending our services online. While these online services were intended to be temporary for the health of the community, they started to become a crutch for us to stay home rather than making the hour-plus drive to church. Eventually, Attending church online turned into sleeping through the alarms and watching the service later in the day. And watching the service later in the day 
turned into not watching it at all. And so, that one random Sunday, knowing the drive would force us to wake up and go to church, we decided to go. And friends, we were so convicted. We were both so genuinely surprised and touched when we got to church and our various pastors and people we had met randomly made the effort to come and tell us hello. It had been so long since we had seen anyone that we barely remembered their names. And yet, they remembered exactly who we were and the struggle that drove us to avoid in-person church in the first place. Touched, the service started and the conviction hit again. Wrapped into a beautiful message about Jesus bringing light into the world was the phrase that got our attention. If you want to grow closer to God, you have to spend time with God's people. When the service was over, my husband and I turned to each other and our mutual expression said it all. We had stayed financially and emotionally invested within our church, but had failed to invest our time. We called the church our home, but hadn't visited. We wanted to build God-fearing relationships, and yet we remained isolated. That single sermon was all it took to remind us that God's people are meant to spend time with God's people. We couldn't expect to grow in our faith, to feel closer to God, and to wisely follow his path while choosing to do it on our own. Matthew eighteen twenty. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. I know that we have been living in a season of life where the noise of the world is screaming that we should be afraid. Afraid for our health, our future, our injustice. I know that for a long time, staying home from church was something we could do to keep those we love safe. And I know that the symptoms of life and chronic conditions can make going to church in person seem impossible. I understand needing to set boundaries to preserve the precious little energy we have to give. But my friends, what if going to church is part of what gives us that energy back? We can't expect to grow closer to God, to grow in wisdom, kindness, and mercy if we avoid spending time with other people who are also walking towards Christ. We will inherently take on the characteristics of those we choose to surround ourselves with. So are we going to choose to grow in our loneliness and accept the characteristics of whoever happens to be closest or are we going to make the bold leap of faith to pursue spending time with God's people? 
1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If we want to jumpstart our faith, to become a resolute people of God, then we have to willingly sacrifice our worldly freedom for the freedom He offers. We have to learn to pursue the cross with everything we have, to go through the actions of a living faith, even when it all starts to feel mundane. From the beginning, God told his people through the Bible how to spend time with him and grow in his likeness. We grow in our relationship with God by going to church, studying his word, spending time in prayer, communing with his people, and following the example his son first set. If you've been looking for a sign, my friends, this is it. Be brave. Step out in your faith and start fighting past the excuses preventing you from pursuing the gospel full-heartedly. This month, in lieu of reflection questions, we're, we've chosen to create a list of practical applications for jumpstarting your faith. With each application, there is going to be an accessibility tip to help you learn how the actions of the gospel are accessible with health conditions. My friends, choosing God is choosing life. Don't become complacent. Don't stop fighting the good fight. Don't give in to choosing the world over your eternal salvation. This new year, choose to become resolute for the good news of the gospel. Application Read your Bible daily. Accessibility tip Put your Bible by your bed and choose a book of the Bible to start with. Aim to read at least one verse before you go to bed each night. If you choose a book of the Bible, you eliminate the uncertainty of what you're supposed to be doing. By having your intention to be reading one verse, you ensure that you read your Bible every single day, but you're also keeping it accessible for the energy and mental focus you have to give that day. If you open up your Bible and all you can do that night is read one verse, then read your one verse. And if you open it and you feel like you can read an entire paragraph or an entire chapter, then read it. But whatever you do, read it. Go to church. Accessibility tip. Know what part of church is a symptom trigger for you and apply literally any resource that's going to help alleviate it. Some ideas might include blue light glasses to help with light, 
earplugs if worship is too loud, a pillow to provide better back support, sitting or leaning against something during standing portions of the service, Knowing a room, it could be a bathroom, somewhere outdoors, a nursery, where you can take a stimulation break, or closing your eyes for a stimulation break as needed. If you find that you struggle staying focused during the sermon, bring a notebook and take notes. This is also going to provide a smaller and less cluttered visual field that you can look at if you start to realize that all the different motions of people and the pastors and worship team is just too much for you to take in. Prayer. Accessibility. Pray as often as you can for as long as you can. One of the most frustrating things I experienced post-concussion was my inability to maintain prayer. It was a battle to even remember that I should pray, and as soon as I started, I'd completely forget what I was doing. So my friends, start small and pray often. If you are taking a shower and remember that you should pray, say a prayer for as long as you can. And if your mind wanders off, and you forget you were praying, just return to it as soon as you remember again. You can set an intention to try praying before a meal, bedtime, or before your day starts. Eating, even if this means saying a set prayer, such as the Lord's Prayer, or maybe something you learned as a child. You can also try writing down your prayers in a journal to help you focus on what you're wanting to say and do. I know, especially with concussion symptoms, that praying can be so hard. But the more that you practice this with grace, the easier it will get, and the more and more you will learn how to pray again. Join a Bible study. Accessibility. Consider joining a Bible study that allows you to meet online if traveling is a barrier to spending time with God's people. If you have dear friends with similar symptoms, ask to do a Bible study with them. By engaging in the gospel with others who understand what you're going through, there is less pressure to be okay and to show up in an expected way. Choose a time to do your Bible study when you will have the most energy to give and will be able to rest afterwards if needed. If you're going to do an in-person study, let your host know that you might need to leave early or ask if there is a room where you can rest if needed. Honest prayers and conversations. Accessibility. We all know the conversation. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Being generic because it's easier than sharing the burden of our struggles is not productive to our mental health 
and it keeps the testimony of God hidden. Be vulnerable with those whom you feel safe doing so with. And if nothing else, above all else, be vulnerable with God. He already knows how you're feeling, so be brave and share with God the ugly, painful truths. You can't grow in your relationship with God or others if you can't be honest and vulnerable about where you are at. You can't feel the warmth of God's comforting embrace if you aren't willing to tell Him that you're in pain. You can't repair your relationship with God if you aren't willing to share where it broke in the first place. I know this is so hard. See, that's why I'm like starting to tear up. <laughs> I felt like a horrible Christian for so long because there were so many days where I just scream prayed to God because of how much pain I was in and because I could not understand what he was doing. And while it was so hard to learn that I could tell God the horrible, painful things I was feeling and thinking and experiencing, I had to tell God that I was hurt and that I was angry with him in order for me to be open to letting his Holy Spirit back in. My friends, if your relationship with God feels broken, you have to, have to talk to him in order to repair it. And finally, write a guest devotional for Perennial. Accessibility. Being a guest author on Perennial Devotionals can be as involved as you want it to be. At the minimum, you can write a devotional and we, so me, will create all the supplemental content that goes with it. At the maximum, you can write the devotional and be involved in the supplemental content. While this might seem like a weird one or scary or like something you're not necessarily qualified to do, I suggest it, especially if you're wavering in your faith. On some level, God spurring me to start perennial devotionals is what preserved my faith during the darkest season of my life. By starting to write these devotionals, it forced me to come to the gospel to lay my sorrow at the foot of the cross during the times where I felt too sad, tired, or alone to consider God's hope and love. So my friends, even if you don't want to write a devotional to share on perennial devotionals, write one for yourself. Have it be an exercise to help you remember why you chose God in the first place and why you continue to choose him even when life hurts just a little too much. Lord, we look forward to each new year with hope. We hope for a year that will be healthier, happier, 
and overall better than the one before. Each year, we hope that we have found the year where we will have it all together. In our pursuit of being okay, or even happy, we tend to take our eyes off of the cross to see what we can accomplish for ourselves. Remind our weary hearts that we are not capable of doing this alone. We need your unfailing mercy, the encouragement of your children to walk the good walk. We pray to be a resolute people for you, Lord, that we will be unwavering in our pursuit of you and our desire to follow the example your son set. As we enter into this new year, Father, I pray that myself and my brothers and sisters in you will choose to set our sight on your kingdom. Give us the courage and the desire to stop being complacent in our faith and to seek out opportunities to learn and grow in your ways. May we build beautiful new relationships with your children. Align the desires of our hearts with the desire of yours, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Friends, I hope this devotional is encouraging for you, that it has given you an idea about how you can pursue your faith in the new year to grow in your relationship with God's children, with God himself, and in your personal faith. Perennial is always here. You can always reach out to me, A, on Instagram at perennial underscore devotionals. Um, we do supplemental content there six days of the week, and you are always welcome to message us with prayer requests or anything you're struggling with or anything you want to celebrate. <sighs> My friends, I am so joyful to start this new year with you. With all of my love, A. Hey.